Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We've got eight incredible first-round matchups in the basketball playoffs this week. Kevin Durant versus Kawhi, Lakers versus Grizzlies, James Harden versus his former team, and of course, the Battle of the Bay Area between the Golden State Warriors and Sacramento Kings. You can head over to BetOnline Sportsbook, use our promo code BLEAV50, that's bleav five zero, and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first First deposit using the link in the description to this episode. Bet online where the game starts. Good afternoon or good night. However, and whenever it is that you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And of course, podcasts aren't live. It's the whole purpose of a podcast. You can listen to it however and whenever you might be listening, and we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you might be listening for the 1,203rd episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. I hope you all are having a fantabulous, fantabulous day. Whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, however and whenever you might be stopping in, we appreciate you joining us here on this fan-tabulous, in our case, Sunday evening leading into Monday. These last two weeks in April frequently serve on Mondays as, let's recap what's happening in the NBA playoffs. Because as you've heard me talk about for months, I am so freaking excited about the NBA playoffs. You had the stakes and the storylines of the playoffs. You have entertaining basketball in, well, at least three of the series. Three of the series provided entertaining basketball, and we'll talk about that. Two of the series were less than entertaining, but it gives us an opportunity to talk about Ben Simmons. We'll get to that later on in the show. There's so much incredible storylines. Nine of the ten best players in the NBA are here in the playoffs. And of those teams, we have ten, or sorry, of the nine best players in the league, all nine of them play on different teams, each with at least a puncher's chance of making it to the NBA Finals. And that doesn't even include the story of the playoffs, which is right here where I'm sitting right now. In Sacramento, California, I am sitting in the studio where I produced the Sacramento Kings radio broadcast on Saturday. What happened on Saturday, you might ask? It was the first playoff game in 17 years in Sacramento. The Kings have been a franchise that has been in disarray for multiple decades and was in disarray for multiple decades before that and only a brief period of success between 1996 and 2006 breaks apart the dysfunction of the franchise, a team that had to fight for four years to keep the team from moving from to Anaheim or to Virginia Beach or to Seattle in a last effort. There were so many conversations about relocation for the Sacramento Kings. Most people didn't know this, but there was a 30 for 30 that was made by ESPN called Down in the Valley. It was made by the guy who produced The Last Dance with Michael Jordan. It was made in 2015. It's about 80 minutes long. It never went to air because the piece is sort of this heroic story of Kevin Johnson. And for those who don't know, Kevin Johnson is a born and raised Sacramentan, was drafted by the Phoenix Suns, and or was sorry, was drafted by the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and played... 
12 seasons with the Phoenix Suns. He made three all-star teams in the 1990s. He was the second or third best player on those Phoenix Suns teams with Charles Barkley. Kevin Johnson moves back to Sacramento and becomes uh, gets elected mayor of Sacramento at the beginning of the financial crisis in 2008, which hit Sacramento particularly hard, and the ownership group of Sacramento was based out of Las Vegas, and so they dealt with financial problems and were getting ready to relocate the team to Anaheim when Sacramento fought to keep the team, and then they tried to move to Virginia Beach, and then they tried to sell the team to a Seattle-based group led by Chris Hansen and uh, Steve Ballmer before Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers, and that group would have moved the team to Seattle, and they petitioned the NBA for a relocation bid, and Mayor Kevin Johnson, former NBA player, is instrumental in keeping the team in Sacramento. They make a 30-for-30 with archival footage, with some really good footage of Kevin Johnson, like the moment he finds out that the team is staying in Sacramento and they're going to sell to Vivek Ranadive, who is the current owner of the Sacramento Kings, or governor of the Sacramento Kings. They don't use the term owner anymore. The governor of the Sacramento Kings. And this documentary never went to air because... The inst- the two instrumental figures in the documentary are Kevin Johnson, who has been detailed to have molested a 16-year-old while he was playing uh, for the Phoenix Suns. He was 31 years old at the time when he molested and potentially sexually assaulted a 16-year-old, has had uh, two or three cases brought forth of him uh, having creepy relationships with teenagers who he worked with uh, through his foundations in the Sacramento area. A former staff member who worked with him said that Kevin Johnson uh, made repeated sexual advances towards her, hugged her, uh, may have, may uh, is detailed to have done inappropriate stuff in addition to unwanted pursuits, unwanted hugging, and it's a lot of Me Too stuff while he was in office. There was pressure on him to resign. He ended up not resigning, and at the same time, he uh, did not run for re-election in 2016 for the uh, mayor of Sacramento position. That's the reason why that never went to air is because of Kevin Johnson having all these details come out right around the time the documentary was set to be released. In addition to... The secondary figure is someone named Grant Napier, a disgraced former broadcaster for the Sacramento Kings. So, yeah, not great that never went to air. That got leaked over the weekend. In the Sa- For those who are deep in Sacramento, that 30 for 30 got leaked over the weekend. I watched it. It's a really cool story. Wanted to talk about that real quick. But for a team in Sacramento who had to fight to keep their team over 16 years, they got their first playoff game in 17 years over the weekend. I was downtown in Sacramento for that moment. I was then working at the studio where the radio broadcast would be put on air, and there were 5,000 people outside the stadium in Sacramento four hours before the game. They were tailgating like it was the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. Sacramento's downtown area, which is called Doco, the downtown commons, doesn't have that much space. 5,000 people packed into that area four hours before a game. That can be a little bit intense. 20 minutes before the game was scheduled to tip, and then they got delayed 10 minutes because of the Cavs and Knicks playing a Tom T- uh, a slop fest that got Tom Thibodeau an erection. A 101 to 96 basketball game is what turns on Tom Thibodeau, who just loves defense, slowing basketball games down and playing people 45 minutes a game. Because it got delayed 10 minutes because Tom Thibodeau needed to please himself with a 101 to 96 basketball game. 30 minutes before the game started, the Kings ran out on the floor for their pregame warm-ups, and it was so loud that the radio broadcast had to stop broadcasting, the TV broadcast had to stop broadcasting. It's just so loud that they could not hear what the people were saying 30 minutes before the game started in Sacramento. 
there were national reporters who showed up to the game and, and representatives from the NBA who said they had never seen anything quite like what was it being experienced at the Sacramento Kings' first playoff game in 17 years. And so that's the storyline behind all of it. We talked about on Thursday the story of Sacramento fighting to keep their team in the first playoff game in 17 years and the Battle of the Bay Area. And we talked about how the bro- th- this series had three of the five elements for what I call a five-star sports moment which are stakes, storylines, entertainment, action, and drama. If you can get those five into a sporting event, you have yourself a five-star sporting event. Gonzaga versus UCLA, five-star sporting event. Bengals versus Kansas City AFC Championship, five-star sporting event this past year. Even the Super Bowl, I will argue, was maybe a five-star, maybe a four-and-a-half, but four-and-a-half or five-star sporting event. Sacramento has Sacramento versus Golden State had three going into the series. Tons of stakes, most of which involve Sacramento, some of which involve the end of the Golden State dynasty. Like this is how, after eight years of climbing the mountain, you have to reinvent yourself because the Golden State Warriors are not better than the Sacramento Kings. Regular season, there is no evidence that points to the Sacramento Kings. The Golden State Warriors being better than the Sacramento Kings. Golden State is a slightly better defensive team than Sacramento. It's not such an insignificant margin to overlook the fact that Sacramento has had a consistently better offense the entire season. With Steph Curry, without Steph Curry, with De'Aaron Fox, without De'Aaron Fox. Consistently better offense in points and in offensive rating all throughout the season. Uh, Net rating, you could go to any point in the season, since the beginning of the season, since January 1st, since February 1st, since March 1st, and any time in between. The Sacramento Kings have had a consistently better net rating than the Golden State Warriors every stretch of the season. There was no one stretch of the season through the end of the year. So from January 1st onward, February 1st onward, March 1st onward, or from the start of the season onward. There has been no point in the season where the Golden State Warriors have had a better net rating than the Sacramento Kings. Sacramento is a better team than Golden State, so part of the sto- the stakes is, is this how the, the Golden State dynasty comes to an end? Is this how we watch a team that has won four championships in, in eight years and made six championships in eight years. This is where the the aging process kicks in. The reinvention didn't come true because they missed on James Wiseman instead of drafting LaMelo Ball, and they've missed on bringing in role-player guys to where they had to trade for Gary Payton again. A, a guy who was fundamental to the championship run last year. They lost him in free agency, then had to go trade for him in the middle of this last season. Is this how Golden State comes to an end? But most of the stakes and storylines revolve around the Sacramento Kings. And the entertainment value is both of these teams shoot a lot and score a lot of points. The the slop fest that gave Tom Thibodeau an erection that was 101 to 96 and Donovan Mitchell had scored or assisted on like 60% of Cleveland's points because Tom Thibodeau just reduced Evan Mobley to nothing, reduced Jarrett Allen to nothing. Uh, Darius Garland played okay. Darius Garland was the second best player for the Cavs, but he had less than his season averages. That game that just reduced Cleveland to just Donovan Mitchell was sloppy, not entertaining basketball. This is going to be entertaining basketball for seven games in the series, and everyone agreed coming out of that game one. Yeah, we've got the entertainment value. So the last two pieces we were waiting on to see was drama and action. Well, the action of the game was the Golden State Warriors and Sacramento Kings pretty much went back and forth most of the way. Like the Warriors jumped out to a 10-point lead. The Kings cut it down to 6. The Warriors jumped back up to 10. And then Sacramento went on a giant run to take the lead before the third quarter was over. A run led by Malik Monk and Trey Lyles, somehow. Dematis Sabonis went three for, or sorry, went four for 16 from the field to begin the game. And for those who don't know, Dematis Sabonis has been shooting 60% from the field this year. He shot 25% in the game 
against Golden State. Malik Monk, Trey Lyles kept them in the game, kept it from being a 15-point Golden State lead with little chance of coming back. Because if you were following the numbers on that game, the starting five of the Sacramento Kings, which is De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, and Demontis Sabonis, they shot 0 for 15 to start the game. They were 0 for 15, which is wild. That's like, I mean, it's not quite the 0 for 27 Rockets game against the Warriors, but like 0 for 15 for a team that relies on the three-point ball and is the most efficient offense in NBA history, that's wild. The the Sacramento Kings averaged more points per game than any team in the last 40 years of NBA basketball. And for those who don't know, like, how did this happen with Sacramento? Part of it was Demontis Sabonis coming in. Part of it, the offensive coordinator for the Sacramento Kings. That's not the official position, but it's he's the associate head coach, but his official job is leading the offense. Jordy Fernandez was the third coach on the bench for the Denver Nuggets with Jokic, Jamal Murray, and shooters built around them, Michael Porter Jr., and uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope last year. They've interchanged some guys like Austin Rivers. Aaron Gordon came in the mix. They basically run the Denver offense better than Denver does, which is why, I mean, Denver was second in efficiency rating, so it's like minimal numbers here. But, like, Sabonis is regarded as Diet Jokic, and yet the Kings with Demata Sabonis playing the Jokic role and playing almost the same game as Jokic, averaging uh, 60% shooting, led the league in rebounds, uh, only took 12 shots a game, but would have higher scoring numbers if, like Jokic, he were required to take 20 to, 40, uh, 20 to 24 shots a game. That Sacramento just hasn't needed to do that, and the reason Sacramento hasn't needed to do that is the Kings supporting cast is better than the Denver supporting cast. Like Jokic is a better player than Demontis Sabonis and can do things differently than Sabonis in part because of his seven foot frame and just in part because of Jokic's abilities. And that's why he's a two time MVP. Who's going to finish second in the MVP this year. Jokic has never had an all defense player. Jokic has never had an all NBA player as a teammate and he's never had an all-star in his entire time in Denver has never had an all-star teammate not only does Demontis Sabonis have an all-star teammate in De'Aaron Fox he might get an all-NBA teammate this year in De'Aaron Fox in addition to Harrison Barnes who is probably not as talented as Michael Porter Jr. but both of them are former lottery picks who sit in the corner, shoot a lot of three-pointers, and occasionally can be primary ball handlers for a set. Harrison Barnes is kind of doing what Michael Porter Jr. is doing for the Denver Nuggets. You've got Keegan Murray as a corner three-point shooter better than what, say, a Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I mean, you you could argue Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Kevin Herter are comps, but Kevin Herter is just such a better player than Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And... Then you factor in Keegan Murray, the rookie, who, you know, Aaron Gordon has stepped up big time for the Denver Nuggets this year. Prior to this past season, you would say Aaron Gordon was the fourth best player on the Denver Nuggets. And I would argue that in in this scenario, he's the second best player on the Nuggets now. But, I mean, again, Keegan Murray being the fourth best player in that offense, or fifth best player even in that offense is really impactful because he's a 21-year-old rookie who can give you 16 points a game. And then you get to Malik Monk off the bench. And the reason we now get to Malik Monk off the bench is because Malik Monk was cooking in that game one. When the starting lineup went 0 for 15 from the three-point line, Malik Monk had 15 points in the second quarter. And this is Malik Monk's first playoff game, by the way. Like, everyone's talking about the Kings don't have any playoff experience. Malik Monk's first playoff game comes into the game with three minutes to go in the first quarter. Uh, doesn't get any points, I don't think, then. Comes in to start the second quarter, 15 points in the second quarter. 
from Malik Monk. Trey Lyles off the bench, he hit two three-pointers in the second quarter. Just kept Sacramento in the game bit by bit. It was 29-29 at the end of the first quarter, and the Warriors were up six at halftime. If not for Malik Monk's 15 points, Trey Lyles hitting two three-pointers, there is no scenario where the Sacramento Kings are even in that game coming out of halftime. And then you fast-forward to the third quarter, when uh, the Warriors are up 86-76, to the Sacramento Kings go on a 15-4 to run at the end of the third quarter. Ten of those points were from eighth man off the bench, Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles put up ten points in about three minutes as part of a 15-4 to run against the defending champion Warriors with Steph Curry on the floor. With Steph Curry on the floor. And all of that just kept Sacramento in the game because, again, 0 for 15 from the three-point line from their starting lineup. The Sacramento Kings stayed in the game because of Malik Monk and Trey Lyles somehow. And that run that that uh, Lyles went on and Malik Monk's burst in the second quarter was basically what kept them in the game and kept the crowd engaged for Sacramento because if that if they had gone down 15 points in the third quarter it would have been deflating for Sacramento. I mean there there's obviously the talk about being happy to be there but to be blown out was totally inconceivable. From, from things I'd been hearing all week, just totally inconceivable that they would get blown out in their first playoff game in 17 years. They might lose. They weren't going to get blown out. And Malik Monk and Trey Lyles kept it engaged to the point where it was 91-90 to 90 in the third quarter, despite the fact that they had made, uh, at that point, one three-pointer from their starting lineup, and the starting lineup had began 0-15. At that point, I think they were 1-16. for 16. Because uh, Malik, uh, not Malik Monk, uh, De'Aaron Fox hit a three-pointer early in the third quarter. So they kept him in the game at 91-90, and then the all-star was the all-star. And this is where I think the, the fault on Denver might come up, is when Denver went to the Western Conference Final, you could count on 50 points from Jamal Murray in three of their playoff games. Jamal Murray had, uh, I think, 51, 50, and 48, if I remember correctly, during that playoff run in 2020 in the bubble. Two of the games came against, uh, they came against Utah for sure. One of them, I want to say, was... Clippers, but I'm not 100% sure on that. I'm pretty sure Jamal Murray had basically three 50-point games during that run to the Western Conference Final in the bubble. Since then, Jamal Murray tore his ACL and missed two playoff runs. And if you want to look at how Denver, despite winning two MVP, having Jokic win back-to-back MVPs, went out in the second round by sweep against Phoenix and out in the first round in five games against the Warriors, obviously the two teams that went on to win the Western Conference, but still, how they get bounced in the second round and first round with a, a back-to-back MVP. Look at what De'Aaron Fox did for the Sacramento Kings in Game 1 against Golden State. Because remember last year, Denver was playing against Golden State in the first round, where Jokic's second-best player was Aaron Gordon, and his third-best player was like Facundo Campasso. Sacramento would lose that game last year. Just like Denver would have lost. Just like Denver did lose that game last year. They lost to Golden State in a bunch of different circumstances like that. Denver loses that game in 2022 against the Warriors. And granted, this is not as good of a Warriors team as last year. But point still standing. They lose that game to the Warriors... Meanwhile, the Sacramento Kings win that game yesterday or on Saturday because in the fourth quarter, De'Aaron Fox had 15 points. And in the second half of that game, De'Aaron Fox had 29 points. Jalen Brunson, in the game where Tom Thibodeau's erection was massive and it delayed the, the Sacramento Kings game 
by 10 minutes, Jalen Brunson is hailed as the champion winner for the the New York Knicks, who won their first road playoff game one since 1999. Jay, 1999, 24 years ago. I was not born the last time the Knicks won a road playoff game one. Jalen Brunson wins that game with 28 points total. Darren Fox had 29 points in the second half for the Sacramento Kings. And that's where Sacramento has a chance to not just make the second round of the playoffs, but go to the conference finals this year. I'm not saying Sacramento is going to make the conference finals. I am saying definitively Sacramento is going to beat Golden State in this series. I've said Sacramento is going to beat Golden State. It's going to be weird. It's going to be shocking. Sacramento is going to beat Golden State, and it's going to happen in five or six games. Whether it's five or six is really more semantics. Sacramento is going to win that series against Golden State. And the reason Sacramento is going to win against Golden State is the same reason why, despite the fact that Demontis Sabonis isn't as good as Jokic, Sacramento runs the Jokic offense better than Denver does. With Sabonis acting as the point center, the focal point of the offense. The guy handling the ball at the top of the key, the guy getting seven assists a game while also working post moves against Kevon Looney or uh, Onyeka Okongwu or whoever is, is starting at center for the other team. And Demata Sabonis led the league in rebounds. The supporting cast is better. And you saw it at the end of that game where De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk by themselves outscored the splash trio of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Jordan Poole. The three of them combined had 68 points, and all of them had at least 15. I think Steph had 30, Clay had 21, and Poole had 17. Fox had 38, Monk had 32, and that's why Sacramento wins that game, is the supporting cast of the Sacramento Kings is stronger than the supporting cast of the Denver Nuggets. Last year's Denver Nuggets and potentially even this year's Denver Nuggets team. Now, Denver's different this year because uh, not only is Jamal Murray back, Aaron Gordon is now the legitimate number two on that team. Jamal Murray is probably what most people think of as the number two. And if Jamal Murray has a 40-point game at some point here in the first round, again, game one hasn't been played by the time you're hearing this, so we'll reconvene on that series later this week. But if Jamal Murray has a 40-point game at some point in the series, I think it's more likely he goes for 40 than Aaron Gordon goes for 40. But it's more likely Aaron Gordon's going to average 20 20 points for the series than it is for Jamal Murray to average 20 points for the series. I think Aaron Aaron Gordon is the focal point of what they... uh, Sorry, uh, Jokic is the focal point of what they run in terms of ball handling. Aaron Gordon opens up the floor by being uh, a stretch four who also works inside. And uh, I think he gets uh, the one of the highest percentage shots from either layup or three-point in the NBA. I don't know the exact number behind it. But Aaron Gordon, in terms of win shares, in terms of efficiency rating, he has been the second-best player on the Denver Nuggets this season. And he will probably be the second-best player on the Denver Nuggets if Denver's going to make a deep run through the playoff. Or Jamal Murray's going to turn into an all-star like he did in the bubble, which I think... Maybe not as likely, and maybe the more likely scenario is Denver gets bounced in the second round by the Phoenix Suns. I've gone on record as saying Denver's going to win the West and they're never going to face an elimination game. But for the, the reason why last year's Denver team loses to the Warriors while this year's Kings team beats the Warriors, despite the fact that last year's Warriors were better than this year's Warriors, is Sacramento's got a better supporting cast. Point blank, they have a better supporting cast. Sacramento and Denver in the conference finals would be such an interesting matchup because both teams are essentially uh, mirror images of each other. And so Sacramento wins that game one despite the fact that Andrew Wiggins got a wide open shot with 20 seconds left in a one point deficit and just missed it. Just missed a wide open corner three. And then in a three point game with... Two seconds left, Steph Curry got a wide-open look at a three, and he just missed it. So despite the fact that the Kings could have lost that game if two wide-open three-pointers don't go in, Sacramento's going to win that series. They're going to go to the second round, probably against Memphis. And while the Kings would probably be underdogs against Memphis, and rightly so, 
they should be underdogs against Memphis, who's a slightly better team. They've been a better team all season by the slightest margins. I remember when we did our efficiency rating slash SRS slash net rating slash expected win-loss record statistic, Memphis was... Uh, Memphis was fifth and the Kings were eighth. So Memphis has been a better team all season. I bet Memphis would be a slight favorite. It would also be a really interesting series to watch Sacramento matching up against Memphis, which I feel is going to happen with some level of conviction. That's why I say it's probably going to happen because Sacramento has a better supporting cast and will be able to run the Denver offense at a more efficient pace than even Denver will be able to run their offense. The problem is, the next time we have this scenario, Steph Curry might not miss the wide-open three-pointer at the end of the game, and Andrew Wiggins might not miss the wide-open corner three-pointer with 20 seconds left that would have given Golden State the lead. They're going to have to defend somebody at some point, That some point is not today, and it will not be against the Golden State Warriors, because Sacramento is winning that series in either five games or six. And I know I live in Sacramento, and I know I get paid to cover the games. I'm giving you the numbers. Net rating since March 1st, February 1st, January 1st, start of the season. Sacramento's been consistently better. Their offense has scored more points and scored at a more efficient rate than Golden State at every step of the way throughout the season. Three-point percentage, Sacramento has been higher than Golden State. Golden State does take more three-pointers. Sacramento makes a better percentage of three-pointers. And as we saw yesterday, Malik Monk can go for 32. He's like the sixth best player on the team. And he went for 32, 15 and a quarter, when the starters had one of their worst games that they have experienced in their time in Sacramento. An 0-for-15 start from three-point range and Demonis Sabonis shooting 4-for-16 from the field to start the game. Sacramento still won because of Malik Monk and Trey Lyles. So next time this comes around, let's see what it looks like when Kevin Herter starts hitting six three-pointers. Or let's see what happens when Keegan Murray starts hitting three or four three-pointers. Or let's see what happens when Demonis Sabonis has a triple-double. Because Demontis Sabonis had 10 triple-doubles this year, which means one in every seven games, Demontis Sabonis recorded a triple-double. One of these games is going to be a Sabonis triple-double, and the Kings won the game where Sabonis played his worst. So Sacramento, they've got this, and the vibes are just too immaculate, and the story is just too good for Sacramento to continue this wave, go up 2-0 against the Golden State Warriors, and beat the defending champions, and make the dynasty reconsider, put an end to the dynasty potentially as we know it, because Bob Myers is on his way out the door, Draymond Green's on his way out the door, there's reports today that Clay Thompson's looking at a max extension that's not coming his way anytime soon, the the Warriors as we know them will no longer exist, and they will have to rethink everything that they have built over the last 10 years, well, everything except Steph Curry, I should say. This will be a moment where Sacramento can put an end to the Golden State Warriors as we know it. And once they go up 2-0 tonight against the Warriors, there's going to be some rethinking about those people who picked the Golden State Warriors to make a deep run in the playoffs. Light the beam. Antler Jaw score. The ball slipped out his hand. Cat and them boys. They won't give a damn. They cheer playing games. Like they just won the crown. Nothing can bring, can bring Minnesota down. The Ant Man drives down. D, D Low's got a kick. D Low's got a kick. Get out. The Ant Man's 21. And no, no, nothing can break. You can't break him down. Twelve years in the tank. Bed flops like a plank. We got news for you, baby. And Edwards is the man. Two years in the game, and he's a household name. We got news for you, baby. And Edwards is the man. When it comes to Wiggins, they never learned. And then Jimmy Butler, 
Left all the kids burned. The only way they get talent is the top of the draft. Torian Prince and Malik Bees Lee, the Ant Man's 21. No, no, nothing can break. You can't break him down. 12 years in the tank. Bev flops like a plank. Got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. Cat shot, make it rain. GM's affairs in the way. Got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. The Ant Man, the Ant Man, the Ant Man, the Ant Man. Who's the man with the plan? The Ant Man. The Ant Man, the Ant Man, the Ant Man, the Ant Man. Who's the man with the plan? The Ant Man. The Ant Man. The Ant Man. Twelve years in the tank. Bev flops like a plank. Got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. Fifteen years away. I'm headed to the Hall of Fame. Got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. All right, so the rest of the playoffs. Let's go back to Friday, shall we? Because uh, you heard the Timberwolves Ant-Man parody song there. Yeah, the Timberwolves heard my decree that Anthony Edwards going 2 for 14 from the field and blowing that game against the Lakers wasn't wasn't going to be good enough. And uh, we embargoed the song. They came out and they beat the Thunder by 25. I was a little bit sad that they beat the Thunder by 25 because... Love me some Shy Gilgis Alexander. Thunder are a fun, stupid team, and their average age is like twenty-eight year or sorry, twenty-two years old. Would have been funny to see them make the playoffs. They did not. We will move on until next season when Chet Holmgren and their future lottery pick will play together. Also, Chicago Bulls, so close. Kobe White finally had his breakout game. I've been joking for years that the Chicago Bulls, what was that now, two off-seasons ago, they had Kobe White as their starting point guard, and they decided, you know what, we're going to go sign Lonzo Ball because Kobe White's not good enough as our starting point guard. And so and Kobe White was like, okay, you know, we, we can play off-ball guard. We'll, we'll move over to shooting guard. Lonzo's a primary ball handler. We can We can be a shooting guard. Uh, and then the Bulls went out and signed DeMar DeRozan. Actually, they signed and traded for DeMar DeRozan, but they went out and traded for DeMar DeRozan. And Kobe White was like, ah, damn, okay, so I guess we are the, the backup point guard now for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, and then the Chicago Bulls signed Alex Caruso to be the backup point guard. So they just had basically no faith in Kobe White. But they had enough faith in Kobe White where they were like, you know what, you can be eighth guy off the bench. That That's where we see you on a competitive basketball team. Kobe White finally had a breakout. I felt so good for Kobe White. He, he was burying three-pointers in a closeout game for the season against the Miami Heat. The Bulls were winning with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Kobe White had four or five three-pointers and then... And then the Miami Heat went on a 12-1 to run. Max Struess finished with 30 points. Pretty sure it's his first 30-point game since the playoffs last year. It was so, so close to me being right about Chicago, making it to the playoffs from the 10 seed. They would have been the first 10 seed to ever make it to the playoff. It was my prediction. My prediction did not come true. Chicago did not win they were so close. Back to the weekend. I was thinking about Ben Simmons a lot during the first two games of the NBA playoffs. Because both of those games were 76ers blowing the brakes off of the Brooklyn Nets. And it makes sense that I would think about Ben Simmons because, you know, Ben Simmons, number one pick by the 76ers, 
basically loses his confidence in the middle of a nationally televised series against the Atlanta Hawks where the 76ers blew a 25-27 and 27 point lead in two of the four games of that series. 76ers should have won that series in six games, maybe even five, and they did not. They had a one. They had they, the chances of them losing that series to the Hawks when they were up twenty four in Game Four and up twenty or up twenty five in Game Four and up twenty seven in Game Seven. The odds of them losing both of those games were about one in seven hundred and seventy eight, and it took that plus Ben Simmons passing up an open dunk for them to lose uh, what we can say pretty safely is the most embarrassing upset in the NBA playoffs in the last five years. I mean, the Phoenix one last year was pretty bad. It was not as bad as the 76ers losing to a clearly worse than them Atlanta Hawks team. And then Ben Simmons sat out a whole season and uh, got traded to the Brooklyn Nets. He did not average more than 10 points a game this year, was a bench player on Brooklyn making $35 million a year, he ended up missing the last, uh, I think, 20 games of the season with uh, the continuous back injury that he's had. And he didn't even show up on the bench for the series against the Philadelphia 76ers. As far as my understanding is, he has not shown up to the games in Philadelphia. He has finally played in Philadelphia now. That was the whole thing before was when would Ben Simmons return to Philly. He did play in Philly. I think it was still when Kevin Durant was on the team for Brooklyn and came off the bench, played pretty well. He had a dunk and kind of flexed a little bit. But Ben Simmons, I've said for years, there's a story about at the 2020 All-Star game where Ben Simmons and his sister were just kind of sitting off at a table by themselves. Uh, It was like a dining session or a media, something like that. And um, Ben Simmons was just kind of sitting off by himself not really a social guy in the basketball circles, not really a big hanging out with other basketball players, doesn't really seem to enjoy basketball. And I've said for years, I would love to be Ben Simmons' friend just because I'd like to know more about him as a person because he seems like such a unique character in this weird basketball space. And I was thinking about Ben Simmons again because uh, it didn't seem like he was on the bench for Brooklyn and they were losing by 20 points most of the game to Philadelphia. James Harden had seven three-pointers and 13 assists in a quote-unquote revenge game against Brooklyn, which at this point, the revenge is kind of mute because Brooklyn's like, yeah, we we get it. (laughs) We kind of get it. (laughs) And Brooklyn found themselves uh, down 20. Spencer Dinwiddie didn't play that well. He shot like one for five from three. Kyle Kuzma and him had a funny back and forth uh, the other reason I was thinking about Ben Simmons again is because uh, the the last game for Ben Simmons as a Philadelphia 76er came in that game seven against the Atlanta Hawks. And in that game against the Atlanta Hawks, Kevin Herter, now Sacramento King Kevin Herter, had a biggest game of his career coming back for the Hawks to beat the Sixers. And... I saw the Hawks were down 30 points at halftime against the Boston Celtics, which I knew the Celtics were going to sweep the Hawks, but like 30 points at halftime is a little bit (laughs) embarrassing. And so they were down 30 points at halftime. And the thought came to my mind that, well, I've seen the Hawks come back from down 25 twice against the 76ers. The only hope of them coming back, though, is if Ben Simmons plays for the Boston Celtics. And as far as I understand, Ben Simmons still plays for the Brooklyn Nets, although he's not on the bench for the Brooklyn Nets while they play his nemesis Philadelphia, former team, team who he self he, his circuits self-shorted during the 2021 playoff. If only Ben Simmons were on the Boston Celtics, Atlanta would have a chance of a 25-point comeback. I think they cut it to like 15 or 12 at one point against Boston. Still just never had a chance. We'll probably not have a chance in any of the games in this series. We talked about Trey Young last week. You can check out that episode. I was just thinking about Ben Simmons again this week. Just 
listening, thinking, what's going on in Ben Simmons' life right now? It's been uh, it's been very quiet, and obviously he's not there for Brooklyn right now for the for the second playoff in a row. Wonder wonder what's going on in the life of Ben Simmons. I wonder if he could force his way to Boston so that he could make that Atlanta and Boston series a little bit more competitive. I joke because I'm not the person who like dumps on Ben. I mean, it's so easy to dump on Ben Simmons, and I don't want to be the person who does it because, like I said, I would want to be Ben Simmons' friend. I'd want to know more about Ben Simmons, what his life is like, how he kind of operates in those basketball spaces, and uh, I hope that good things happen to Ben Simmons in the near future. I was just thinking about him this weekend, and I don't think we've done a Ben Simmons. I was going back through the archives. I don't think we've done a Ben Simmons episode since uh, Morgan from Australia had some more Ben Simmons jokes. Uh, We did like four podcasts where Morgan had Ben Simmons jokes. I don't think we've done one of those in uh, about a year or so. So there you go, Ben Simmons. I hope you're doing well. All right, before we go, there, there's other basketball this weekend. I'm not going to wait it out till 1030 at night to talk about how the Nuggets probably beat the Timberwolves in game one. We can talk about it another day. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about, you heard the I Love LA song because the Lakers did end up winning game one. I still feel like Memphis has a good crack to win the series. At the same time, we live in a world where with two minutes to play in a playoff basketball game, LeBron James is standing wide open on the wing, the the right wing of the floor, wide open. And LeBron's not a bad three-point shooter. Even if he's not a bad three-point shooter, you still want the ball in LeBron James's hand. LeBron James is standing on the right wing for the Lakers. With two minutes to play. And Austin Reeves has the ball calling an ISO for himself at the top of the screen, uh, at the top of the key, dribbling to the free throw line, pulling up like he's Kobe Bryant, and burying a mid range jumper to put the Lakers up by eight. After on the possession before in a three point game, it was 115-112. Austin Reeves dribbles, pulls up from three, and buries it to put him up six. We live in a world where Austin Reeves called an ISO for himself with LeBron James standing on the wing. Well, I know Austin Reeves is a good player. I just spent 30 minutes earlier talking about how awesome Malik Monk is. For the Lakers, Malik Monk was Austin Reeves last year. Just guy who comes off the bench, puts together a 25-point game now and again, sixth man, blah, blah, blah. Look, I get it. Like Malik Monk was Austin Reeves before Austin Reeves. And I and Malik Monk is the reason why the Sacramento Kings are going to beat the Golden State Warriors. It's just the fact that it's Austin Reeves specifically makes this just infinitely funnier that Austin Reeves, and part of it is that he's a white, scrawny-looking guy, and he's the white guy that Lakers fans have gravitated towards. You know, before him it was Caruso, before that it was Sasha Vujacic, most recently it was Talon Horton Tucker, which broke the trend of white guys on the Lakers, but there's always a white guy who Lakers fans flock to as the fan favorite. It was, it was Sasha Vujacic, I think Swaggy P probably qualifies for this. So during the dark days, it was Swaggy P. Then it was Alex Caruso. Then it was Talon Horton Tucker. Now it's Austin Reeves, the white guy fan favorite for the Lakers is the guy calling an ISO play for himself with LeBron James standing on the wing. I can't believe we live in a world where that happened. And by the way, that the Lakers outscored Memphis 15-0 to end the game. I want to say 15-0 was the final run the Lakers put up in a one-point game with four minutes to play. 
The Lakers scored 15 unanswered points to end the game. At least five of them were from Austin Reeves. Another bunch of them were from Rui Hachimura. D'Angelo Russell was burying three-pointers in the third quarter to keep him in. The, when John Morant started cooking and he hit a two three-pointers and had eight straight points, when John Morant was cooking, D'Angelo Russell kept him in the game, going back and forth with Ja. I just I can't believe what I was watching with the Austin Reeves thing at the end. But D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hashimura, and Austin Reeves being the third, fourth, and fifth best players on the Lakers and them having the games that they had was basically the same reason why I feel like the Sacramento Kings are going to be able to win with Demodis Sabonis, an all-star, and De'Aaron Fox, an all-star, and the offense that they run. Basically, my same case for the Sacramento Kings is what the Lakers did to beat Memphis in Game 1 on the road. Their third, fourth, and fifth best players balled the fuck out. And we had a world where Austin Reeves was calling an ISO play for himself like he was Kobe Bryant, pulling up from the free throw line, fading away, just like Kobe against the Phoenix Suns in 2010 fading away from the free throw line to close out a series or close out a game with again LeBron James standing on the wing just cannot believe we live in that world anyways Lakers won game one it was wild to watch Austin Reeves calling ISO plays with LeBron ladies and gentlemen thanks for stopping in here to the take it easy podcast we got episodes every single day Monday through Friday as well as wired up on Sundays make sure to leave a five-star review a download all of your support is always greatly appreciated and we always appreciate you stopping into the podcast check out our book if you're maybe interested as well it's called the Spurs Dynasty a historical account of the most successful dynasty in North American pro sports you can check out that book everywhere you get books there's links in the description to this episode for all of that Thanks for supporting our dreams, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with some guests joining us periodically. I hope you have a fantabulous rest of your day. And in the meantime, take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.